Welcome to You News, the podcast, using the power of Univision to bring the news that matters to you in English. Today is Thursday, July 9th. I'm Carolina Sarasa, and these are today's headlines. The Supreme Court says President Trump is not immune from subpoenas, but the public will not be able to see his financial records anytime soon. At least two dozen states are pausing their reopening plans as coronavirus cases surge across the country. And missing actress, rescue crews searching for Glee star Naya Rivera after she disappeared on a California lake. Her son was found alone on the boat. And we began today with a major decision from the Supreme Court. The justices have ruled Congress will not be able to get President Trump's financial records for now, but they left the door open for New York prosecutors to get access to his taxes. Let's go straight to Janet Rodriguez, live at the White House. Janet, explain this for us. Well, there were actually two decisions, Carolina, that came down today that had to deal with the president taxes. Both of them were the seven to two decisions with some conservatives leaning in the way of the majority and against President Trump. Although it is a victory for President Trump because we're not going to be able to see his taxes right away. But as you well said, the district attorney in New York, in Manhattan, who had wanted to proceed with the case so he is able to obtain those documents, will be able to do so. The court saying today that the president doesn't have any special powers while he is in office and that the prosecutor does need to show why it is important that for the president to release those documents. This is the first president uh, in recent history that has not released his tax records while in office. Every other president has done so and he's come under fire for that. Congress has been wanting to get those documents in their hands for over a year, but this is not a win for Congress. The Supreme court saying that right away those documents cannot be released to that body of power here in Washington. So it's a mixed bag decision. The court uh, cases will continue now. The cases go back to a lower court and the case can proceed to see whether that Manhattan attorney can get those documents finally. And that uh, attorney did say today in a statement, and I read that this is a tremendous victory for our nation's system of justice. He says he will proceed with the case, but it is unlikely that we will see those tax releases before the elections. Janet, before you go, any reaction from the president on today's ruling? Oh, yes, the president went on Twitter right away. And although many are saying that this is a win for the president because we will not get to see his taxes, he did say that this is a political prosecution, that now I have to keep fighting in a politically corrupt New York. And this is not fair for the presidency or his administration. So once again, the president fighting with the Supreme Court. This is not the first time in this session that the president goes after the court for the ruling that he doesn't like. But like many said he should be happy today that he does not have to release those taxes right away. Back to you. Well, thank you, Janet, for that live report from Washington. And now to the latest on the coronavirus. The CDC backing off plans to change its guidance on reopening schools despite a pressure campaign from the president. With a surge of cases across the country, members of the coronavirus task force warning that states should continue to pause reopening plans and even shut down again. Lorraine Casares has more. 
coronavirus spiking in 33 states. Arizona, Florida, and South Carolina taking the top three spots where coronavirus cases are growing faster than anywhere else in the world. Statewide in Texas, nearly 10,000 patients are hospitalized. Houston reporting 1,000 cases on Wednesday. Playing musical chairs in the middle of the night, moving one patient from one side to another. The mayor of Houston canceling the Texas Republican Party's convention set to take place in person next week. These are, these are some very serious times uh, and the public safety of the people attending the convention, uh, the employees, their family members, uh, the people in the city of Houston, uh, their, the public health concerns are first and foremost paramount. ICU beds are running short in Arizona. There's only about 145 left in the entire state. Our medical professionals are already feeling exhausted, asking for reinforcements, and they tell me the worst is yet to, yet to come. The ICU at one Southern California hospital reaching capacity. There's a 44% increase in hospitalizations over the last two-week period. We're entering a phase in which we're seeing community spread and hospitalizations like we saw in late April. Florida reporting nearly 10,000 new cases and more than 40 hospitals in the state have no ICU beds free. On Wednesday, the White House Coronavirus Task Force urging states with surging cases to pause and roll back to phase one. Use the face coverings, not going to bars, not going to indoor dining, but really not gathering in homes either. Dr. Anthony Fauci telling the Wall Street Journal that states with severe spread should take more extreme measures. I think any state that is having a serious problem, that state should seriously look at shutting down. Meanwhile, the battle to open schools forges ahead. The president comparing the U.S. to European countries that are allowing schools to open, like Germany, Denmark, Norway, and Sweden, failing to mention that unlike the U.S., those countries combined are reporting less than 1,000 cases a day. Finding out that learning by computer is not as good as learning in the classroom. We want to learn in the classroom, so our schools, we want them open in the fall. The CDC not revising its guidelines for schools reopening as previously stated by the White House, but rather expanding them. We're prepared to work with each school, each jurisdiction to help them use the different strategies that we've proposed that help do this safely so they come up with the optimal strategy for those schools. I think it's critical and it would be personally very disappointing to me and I know my agency if we saw that individuals were using these guidelines as a rationale for not reopening our schools. In Miami-Dade, the county with the most cases here in Florida, school officials are saying that schools will not be opening for in-person classes until the county moves into phase two, which is not likely to happen anytime soon since we are presenting right now 28% positivity rate. And just in the last 24 hours reported a record in depth, 120 uh, people in one day. So, so far we're having um, these record numbers and the county is saying that they are hiring 250 tracers, but cities here, mayors of cities here in South Florida say they're not happy with that and they want it to be at least 500 contact tracers. Back to you, Carolina. Moving on, the pandemic continues to impact the economy. The Department of Labor says there were 1.3 million people who signed up for unemployment benefits last week. 
that number is lower than previous weeks. Weekly claims have been falling for more than three months after a peak in March. That is a good sign because it means fewer people need benefits. But the numbers are still pretty high and not taken down as fast as economists would like to see. And rescue crews are searching a Southern California lake for Glee actress Naya Rivera. Rivera and her son rented a boat on Lake Piro Wednesday afternoon. About three hours later, another boarder discovered the child on board asleep and alone. Authorities say the child was wearing a life vest. An adult life vest was found on the boat. The Ventura County Sheriff's Office says they are treating the case as a possible drowning. And now to Minneapolis and new details in the killing of George Floyd. Newly released body camera transcripts show that police officers said to Floyd during his final moments. According to those transcripts, Floyd told officers he was anxious, that everything hurts, he needed some water, and he couldn't breathe. Derek Chauvin, the officer accused of his murder, responded, quote, Then stop talking. It takes a heck of a lot of oxygen to talk. The officer knelt on his neck for nearly nine minutes before Floyd became unresponsive and was later pronounced dead. These documents were released Wednesday as part of a motion filed by the defense attorney for fired fellow officer Thomas Lane, who's trying to convince the court to dismiss charges against him. And painters are working today on a Black Lives Matter mural on New York's Posh Fifth Avenue, right in front of Trump Tower. Mayor Bill de Blasio picked the location. President Trump has called the mural a symbol of hate. The mayor responded by saying black people built Fifth Avenue and much of the nation, and the mural is to honor them. If you want to be a volunteer to take the COVID-19 vaccine before it is available, a new website has launched to help you with that. CoronavirusPreventionNetwork.org is up and running. It provides information on all the clinical trials in the U.S., Researchers are looking to recruit tens of thousands of volunteers. Anyone interested in joining a vaccine clinical study can fill out a questionnaire. If you qualify, your information will be sent to the study site closest to you. Farm worker communities in Florida have been impacted by the pandemic. Some of them claim they are facing a more difficult time because they don't have work benefits and sometimes they go to work sick and expose others. Glesia Lastra explains. Maria is a mother of four. She caught the coronavirus at the Florida nursery where she works. One of her best friends, a former co-worker, died from COVID-19. I found out from some of our colleagues that Doña Rosa had died, and then I told them that this is serious. Alvira Carvajal worked on farms for decades and is now part of the Alinza Nacional Campesina, an organization that fights for the needs of women who work on farms. She says that infections in nurseries are rising dramatically and in many places. They are allowed to work while waiting for test results, which increases the risk of infection. La mayoría de las personas que están contagiadas, este, 
Most of the infected people are nursery workers. They let them continue working despite having symptoms. Catalina is the mother of two children and was also infected while working at a nursery. She says that the contagion is unstoppable. There are bosses that do know that people are infected and still have them working. She says that the bathrooms they use are portable and there are no places to wash their hands. In the bathrooms, there must be a sink where we can all wash our hands, but there is none. The portable bathrooms are washed every three days. Carvajal says that some workers are forced to continue working despite being infected because they do not have paid sick days. There are children who are infected, families, and there are 60-year-old people working in nurseries who are infected. They don't understand why they are called essential workers. They should have more consideration for the workers, because right now there are a lot of people infected or waiting for the test results. Reported by Vilma Tarazona in Homestead, Florida, this is Grecia Lastra for U News. And now to more on that announcement that Harvard University and MIT are suing the Trump administration for its decision not to allow foreign students to take courses online next fall semester. Harvard had announced all courses will be taken online, including some 5,000 foreign students. Luis Mejid has more. They are two of the most prestigious universities in the world. And now together, Harvard and MIT are suing ICE asking the government to stop threatening foreign students with deportation if they only take classes online. Harvard President Lawrence Bacow said, the order came down without notice. Its cruelty surpassed only by its recklessness. We believe that the ICE order is bad public policy and we believe it is illegal. Angelica Marquez Osuna and her husband are pursuing a doctorate at Harvard. They have a three-year-old son, and now they fear they may have to go back to Mexico and not be able to graduate. ICE is not talking about the lawsuit. This week, President Trump criticized Harvard for planning to give classes online. I think it's ridiculous. I think it's an easy way out. If a legal ruling does not stop ICE, up to a million foreign students could potentially have to leave the country. In San Francisco, Luis Mejid, U News. More than a dozen other universities have signed on to an amicus brief in support of the Harvard and MIT lawsuits. And now to a tragic story out of Florida where a grandmother contracted COVID-19 and apparently was not hospitalized due to lack of capacity. Genesis Vieira has all the details. There are fewer and fewer beds available in Florida's hospitals, and Hortensia Lawrence's family believes that's what caused the seven-year-old mother and grandmother to die from COVID-19. Grandma had symptoms of diarrhea and vomiting. Originally, we thought it was something she ate. But Hortensia kept getting worse, and when she went to the hospital, she was diagnosed with COVID-19. After a few hours there, she was sent back home. Her condition was not improving, so her daughter decided to bring her to this other hospital in the city of Pembroke Pines. There, she was left in the care of doctors, and a second test confirmed the diagnosis. Diagnosis. We were told that she was released at 3.45 a.m. and it was 6 a.m. when we discovered the situation. When we arrived at the hospital, my grandmother unfortunately was sitting in front and was not feeling well. 
y no se sentía bien. The family claims that the hospital did not give them any explanation as to why. They figured if she continued to get worse, they were not going to release her from the hospital. It still hurts me to talk about it because it's so sudden. Hours later, Hortensia, who was diabetic and hypertensive, became so ill that an ambulance had to be called. She died on the way to the hospital. The hospital has declined to discuss the particular case, citing privacy issues. But in writing, they said that as a public health care system, they have never turned away a patient for lack of beds. Hospital admission is a decision determined by physicians and based on many factors, including vital signs and clinical presentation at the time patients visit the emergency room. But the family insists that if Hortensia had stayed in the hospital room, they wouldn't be burying her. Her children and grandchildren want her loss to raise the alarm that the pressure of so many cases in hospitals could be leading to problematic decisions. Reported by Lourdes El Rio, I'm Genesis Vieira for U News. Lawyers for a man killed by Los Angeles police say an independent autopsy confirms he was shot five times in the back. The defense showed a photograph of forensic analysis, which they say shows the death of Andres Guardado was without a doubt the result of unjustified police violence. Miriam Murungi has more on this story. The independent autopsy requested by Andres Guardado's family confirms that the 18-year-old Salvadoran died after being shot five times in the back, as shown in this photograph that the teenager's parents released. Ahora sabemos, sin duda, que este es un caso we now know for sure that this is a case of excessive force against a very good guy who was working there. Andres was killed in a controversial shooting on June 18th, when Los Angeles Sheriff's deputies shot him. They say because he ran out of a store and pulled a gun. His family said he was working as a security guard in Gardena. Andres no tenía nada en su sistema, nada de... Andres had nothing in his system, nothing toxic, absolutely nothing. There is no evidence that this weapon on the site belonged to him. The family confirmed that Andres was buried this past weekend, and that while they're still in pain, they are demanding that the sheriff release the official county autopsy results. What I want is to bring justice to the one who murdered my child, because now it is a mother who is mourning her child. Tomorrow, it can be another one. The sheriff has kept the official autopsy results sealed. When all the witnesses have been interviewed, then we can make the information public. The family has also filed a civil lawsuit against the Los Angeles County Sheriff's Department. Reported by Salvador Duran in Los Angeles, Mariti Morungi, U News. More of U News after the short break. Imagine a daily newscast that speaks to you about your world in plain English. Each weekday, we partner with Hispanic America's most trusted news source to bring you the stories from home and abroad that matter to you. The Senate will turn itself into a courtroom. The private border fence is being installed. A police officer and three people were killed inside a Jewish supermarket in Jersey City. U News covers the news of your world and makes it easy to understand. Your world, your news. U News on Fusion. Welcome back to U News. 
And over the 4th of July weekend, dozens of artists reached for the sky to highlight injustices at immigration detention centers. The artists commissioned sky-riding planes to fly messages in the sky over 80 detention centers and other immigration-related sites across the nation. The project is called In Plain Sight. Alok is one of the artists behind the project. Thank you so much for your time. Thanks so much for having me. Now, your message flew over the Montgomery Processing Center in Texas. The message read, God, Brown America. Why that message? So I grew up in Texas, always being asked, where are you from? No, where are you really from? And there's this idea that Texas is just for white Americans, even though there are so many immigrants here and so many indigenous people here. So on 4th of July, a day of celebrating patriotism, I wanted to have an announcement to the world that people of color belong and that migration is a blessing. What was the reaction from people, from those who were able to read those messages in the sky? So I got some really positive responses when I posted the image on my Instagram. Some people in the area said that they saw it and it meant a lot to them because they were from the Conroe area and had felt that they'd experienced a lot of racist discrimination. So I only got good responses. Some of the other messages included ice will melt, care not cages, and also some in Spanish like no te rindas, don't give up. What prompted you to participate in this project? I'm the descendant of immigrants and refugees, and I think it's completely unacceptable and irresponsible how the U.S. administration is responding to migrants, many of whom are fleeing from economic, political violence in their countries of origin. And I think it's inhumane how immigrants are being kept in these detention centers and tortured uh, in 2020. And so I wanted to show my support for the immigrant community and to call for the ending of immigrant detention. Now, Alok, every message had the hashtag XMAP, which took people to a website where, they, where people can find detention centers in their area. What is the reason behind that feature, that hashtag? So a lot of people don't know that they even have immigration detention centers in their own backyards. And so we wanted to actually expose where these centers and facilities are to show people that they are actually here in places that you didn't think that they were and to educate people about how these centers continue to grow and spread. And what is next for this project, Alok? So we partnered up with about 17 different migrant justice organizations, and we're hoping to get people more involved in the immigration justice movement. So that looks like it's supporting the fees to get people out of detention, because sometimes we can pay bail to get people out, as well as lobbying our politicians and Congress people to end ICE and end the practice of immigration detention. Well, thank you so much for your time, Artis Alok, for being here with us in Unions explaining this beautiful project. Thank you so much. Thanks so much for having me. Thanks for listening to Unews, the podcast. Don't forget to follow Unews on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And if you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review. And join us tomorrow for a new episode. Until then. <laughs>